0: Be good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Buenas compañeras y compañeros. Thank you for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. It's your pal, Andrew. We are in Guanajuato, Mexico. I'm with my sweet wife, Tiffany, and my little dog, Pelé. And I've got a podcast for you. I'm very excited to share with you our guests today. Um, actually, not feeling very well at the moment. I'm sick. I got some kind of stomach thing, and Montezuma is taking his revenge upon me. Um, anyhow, so I'm going to keep this awfully short and awfully sweet. I'm going to tell you about our guests, and I'm going to sign off. Our guests today are Marcus and Julie Tuck, and they are traveling around the world. And this incredible machine that they've got, uh, you've got to go see their website. It's tuxtruck.net, dot net. Super, super cool. They've been to Africa, all over South America, Central America. We met them in Guadalajara and uh, spent like three days hanging out with them. Went to a rodeo, um, ate food, walked around, looked at cathedrals, uh, they're they're fantastic, and we're very fortunate to have them on our uh, on our show <laughs> on our show to share with you guys. Uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff: living simply, traveling in Africa, um, being helpful. Uh, th- th- they're both just really really cool people. Um, Marcus has put up all kinds of YouTube videos for people interested in overlanding um, and just sort of traveling in their vehicles. Uh, Julie is a very thoughtful and excellent writer who writes about their experiences uh, everywhere they've been. It's it's very much worth your time to go check out their website tuxtruck.net. And that's it. I'm keeping this one short cuz I don't feel very good. But in spite of that, we are having a great time and things are going really well. I'm actually about to see my mom in a week. She's coming to visit us in the city of Oaxaca. I'm very excited about that. Um and I'm hopefully going to get her on the podcast. And we're trying to get other people as well, but uh, sometimes the language barrier is pretty thick, and my Spanish is too embarrassing to put on this podcast just yet. But uh, we're we're working on it. We're trying to get people. Uh, <laughs> we're meeting plenty of people, just not everybody gets to be on the show, unfortunately. Anyhow, um, thank you very much for listening. I hope all is well in your world. Um, we love you. We care about you, and we hope you're doing fun and interesting things out there in your life. And until next time, enjoy this episode with Marcus and Julie Tuck. Adios. We're in Guadalajara, Mexico, in one of the coolest vehicles we've been in yet on this trip. Um, what What's this thing called again?
2: Uh, it's Navico Daily 4x4, and the conversion on the backs by a company called Bocklet and it's their Dakar 630 model.
1: Gotcha. But what's the name
2: of the the vehicle? Cuthbert itself. Cuthbert. Cuthbert. I love that. Where does that come from? Uh, we were trying to think of a name for the truck, and we just couldn't. And then we uh, stayed with some friends in Germany. Uh, Max looked out the kitchen window, took one look, and said, "Looks like a Cuthbert to me." So we went. We went with Cuthbert. It's an old English name. Yeah. Um, it's in some uh, children's TV programs and things. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's perfect. The name stuck. Yeah. All right, so
1: uh, there's so much to talk to you about, but specifically, I want to start with your journey. You have been um, on the road for how many years?
3: Five and a half years.
1: Five and a half years. Yeah. Of actual on the road, but you're actual on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, I'll take it back. You're, you're you're on a five plus year journey around to circumnavigate the globe and see many continents, many places. But you started um, a while back, so we'll start with you, Marcus. You are uh, what an RAF pilot and navigator, and uh,
2: yeah, I did a f- I did a few little jobs in the Air Force. Uh, I joined as a radar technician and worked on aircraft radar systems, um, specialised in aircraft camera systems and lasers as well. Uh, and then I decided it'd be more fun to break the aircraft and uh, fix them. So uh, did a commission and then did a couple of years pilot training. Uh, I got started doing the fast jet lead-in, but I wasn't quite good enough. So uh, they gave me the opportunity to go and sit in the back of the aircraft rather than the front of the aircraft. <laughs> and I became a navigator. And then with my uh, radar technician uh, background, they sent me off on an aerosystems course. So uh, I got a master's degree in avionics and then started doing research and development work. And that was my last job before I left the Air Force.
1: And uh, I'll get to where you guys went after that in a moment. And you, Julie, what was your background?
3: Um, I'm a commercial lawyer specializing in corporate um construction, big developments, infrastructure, um, for design and engineering projects, things like that. So I uh, started off in UK, did a few years, and then was uh, mobilized by my company to go out and work in the Middle East in Qatar. So then did a lot of work on Qatar development projects out out there as well in the Middle East.
1: Which are are ongoing and enormous. Oh, yeah,
3: huge. Yeah, the projects that I started working on nearly 10 years ago are still ongoing now, yeah. you know, building up for Qatar 2022 World Cup. Right. So, yeah. So um,
1: your decision to go to Qatar was, I mean, obviously your company sent you there. Mm-hmm. It was part of a an assignment. Yeah. But was this ultimately in your mind? Like, no. This no. journey that you're on? No, no.
3: it wasn't. Not, not when we first went there at all, no. Um, we went there, it was going to be for two maybe three years or something like that you know and then just have an experience of living somewhere else and at the end of 2008 there'd been a, a commercial crash in europe and the western world and you know business wasn't good in uk europe i guess in north america as well at that time after yeah. the so you know the middle east was booming it was a place to go for a while to ride out the recession and learn and have a new experience mm-hmm. so yeah, so
1: it's it all part of it. <laughs> it's as much as part of this current adventure mm, as anything. I it turned
3: think. out to be part of it yeah. because, you know, life changed so much once we got out there and our, our horizons changed and we learned a lot about ourselves and, you know, what's important in life. So, yeah, things changed once we were in the Middle East. But it wasn't the goal when we set out to go and live in the Middle East for a few years yeah. to end up here. No.
2: And your job you ended up doing things you'd never
1: done before, you were telling me yesterday.
2: Yes. Um, well, Julie's job obviously took us to the Middle East, and uh, I managed to get the opportunity to work in an aeronautical college. So uh, initially, I was teaching the airline pilots uh, various different subjects, um, ground school subjects, um, to get them ready to become an airline pilot. Uh, I kind of didn't really enjoy being in the classroom that much so after about 18 months uh, I handed in my notice and I managed to get a job as a construction manager at the uh, the new airport um, interesting because my REF career was more about destroying runways and airports to then get into the business of actually constructing Building them <laughs> was a slight uh, deviation from my past but uh, yeah i quite enjoyed it i mean it was about man management and project yeah. uh, management and problem solving on the site so uh, i was very much on site looking around and looking at problems and issues our company had mm-hmm. and then uh, rectifying them and making sure our systems went in and worked yeah but the way you came across that job was kind of
1: cool you you
2: were like building something for someone, someone uh yeah when i left the aeronautical college um i had a month or so when i was looking for jobs and one of the guys i knew down the dive club uh he had a boat which was uh, playing up a little bit he had bought it second hand the sonar wasn't working and it needed a bit of a refit so basically i spent a month i fixed the sonar i built some um, dive cylinder holders on the boat and just generally revamped it re- rewired the engine and some of the plumbing and yeah, got, got his boat ship-shape again, and yeah. uh, then from that he uh, decided that, uh, okay, I've obviously got a certain skill set he could make use of, so he had a temporary project on the airport where he needed a couple of uh, data centers building, just temporary buildings, to get the airport's network up and running so they could start testing and commissioning certain systems. Uh, so... Obviously having a vast experience as a construction manager of zero, uh, I went into the project and just hit it like I would any R.E.F. project and just ran at it head head on and just got all the problems out in the way and just made it happen. And uh, we completed the building a month ahead of schedule and I think it was the first thing done on that project that had ever been done ahead of schedule. Possibly Uh, the last. Yeah, possibly. As a result, um, I got a bit of a pat on the back and he said, "Um, yeah, do you fancy being my construction manager now for the entire project? Which was a bit of a, a step up. But, uh, yeah, I I took hold of the project and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really good fun. I had a good team to work with and uh, he was a great boss. So, yeah, it worked well. It sounds like
1: you both thrived. You got a promotion while you were there and ended up doing...
3: Yeah, um, my career continued to progress. I mean, being out there and you widen your horizons and gain breadth of experience in the legal Mm -hmm. profession. So, yeah, it was a great company that I worked for and I had good bosses. So, yeah, Yeah. I I worked hard, to be fair. It's it's hard work, but it's interesting and challenging and yeah so I was fortunate enough got some promotions out there and did well but you know at at the end of the day there's there's more to life than um, struggling through a career and 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 stressing out over multi-billion pound projects all the time you know and we just kind of realized you know yes you can make a lot of money but you know health issues you know you never know when things are going to get cut short You know, so we just uh, decided enough's enough.
1: that you both like you just are thriving in a career sense you're i mean i know the opportunity in you don't go to qatar for the weather or no. for the the, the for cultural sure. experience you go for yeah. the money it's a very yeah. it's lucrative you it's like yeah. three times what you're being paid in the uk
3: yeah i mean the money's good um but the career opportunities can be good as well sure. even if you only do it for, for a couple of years you you broaden your right. Experience right. in a, a way that you could never do if you stayed in, you know, the Western sure. Western culture. Their ways of doing things are just so totally different to us. And you really right. need to think, start thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think whatever career you're in, you know, whether you're in a legal career or a construction management career or, or whatever, th- they think very differently out there, Certainly. and that's also a good, um, you know, a, a learning a different approach to life.
1: It's yeah. how everyone grows mm-hmm. being exposed. Exactly, to something not just you're... financially, but in other yeah, yeah. ways as well. Yeah. But what I like. Particularly, I mean, other than that you guys are just really cool and pleasant people to be around, but what I like specifically about what you've done in that context, you were making great money, you were excelling in your career, and it was never about making lots and lots of money and being rich. You, know, you said yesterday you're not interested in being the richest man in the graveyard.
2: Well, that's right. I mean, we, we were sensible. We didn't blow our money there. We didn't buy the Porsche Cayenne, you know, we didn't go and eat in five-star hotels every night. We, we were very focused in that we wanted to keep our lifestyle as close to it how it was in the UK so that when the time came to leave the Middle East, we could go back to the UK and we wouldn't have this very expensive lifestyle. Um, so we, we we basically targeted paying off our mortgage. So we'd be mortgage-free as soon as possible, and then uh, once we achieved that, we uh, started saving uh, with a view to traveling. By by that yeah. time, we we had the idea that we wanted to travel, and so you know, once the mortgage was paid off, we already had our house rented, so yeah. that that seemed like a logical progression for us. Yeah,
1: keeping it simple, with the eye at some point in your journey. What do you think? Like two, three years in, you were suddenly like, "Hey, we could really, we could completely shift gears and do something." entirely different than we'd ever done like what what prompted that what was the moment or
2: I think at that time we, we loved Africa and we were we were flying our, our summer holiday would be fly to Africa rent a Land Rover with a roof tent and go for two or three weeks self drive safari yeah. Uh, and we, we absolutely loved it we loved Africa once you've been to Africa and you've got the African soil under your feet it's very hard to leave the, the the cultures the people and the animals and the landscapes are just fantastic and we just really fell in love with Africa and we wanted to do more and that's when we started thinking hey we're in a position now where we're not not the richest people but we're financially secure mm-hmm. and we're in a position where actually I think we could give up work early, retire early, and go and explore the world and, and see yeah. a bit more of it, yeah. Yeah, and you're young people. Here, uh,
1: oh, thank n- you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if, uh, you know, if you don't, your voices sound young to me on the microphone. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else will put up a picture of you guys, but you're not, when people think retired, like what we're, what we're doing is like we're retiring early and often. We're getting a couple of chunks of retirement and then going back to work and retire and go back to work. You guys, have, you're done. It's, we it's hope complete. so. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, we don't know. Who
3: right. knows what the future mm, holds? Sure. You know, if a, a great opportunity comes up, who knows? We may stop and work again sometime. But, right. you know, you never know what's, what's around the corner. But yeah. we want to um, do what feels right at, at, at the time rather than yeah. taking on stressful careers and, you know, having a heart attack at <laughs> yeah. 55 and keeling over, you know.
2: Uh, at my retirement party stroke leaving Qatar party was one week after my 46th birthday. Nice. so it was yeah it was quite a good that's
1: fantastic yeah. that's so great but i, I just i am um uh, it's encouraging to hear a story of people who are you know you you were already doing well in your careers and you were, you were respected and, and clearly i mean for someone to trust you to send you to a foreign country to operate such you know enormous uh contracts and handle these big projects Clearly you were doing, you had your shit together before you left, but then, you know, you've taken this pack tracked and you're making great money and you're like, you know what? I'll just, I'll take, I'll cash out early. You know, I won't keep throwing my, my chips on the table. I'll, I'll take them and leave. Uh, and to just, to not just go sit on a beach somewhere, like do what you're doing now, like this, this truck, and we will put up links to your website, which Mm -hmm. is incredible by the way. What's the name of it again? It's, uh. Tuxtruck.net. (laughs) Tuxtrucks.net. Thanks. Uh, This is not an easy journey that you're on. I mean, you're around the world. You've gone through Africa. You've all over South America, Central America, heading up towards Alaska, Mm -hmm. and then what? Australia, New Zealand. Hopefully. And and Mm off-road in this massive, intense vehicle that you've outfitted with all kinds of different stuff. When people think retirement, they're like, oh, it's going to be great and easy. I imagine this, in a lot of ways, can be... um, not necessarily more difficult than what you were doing before, but a whole different type of challenge. Right, I
2: mean. Yeah, it's kind of different. Um, I quite like, I, I get bored very easily. The idea of sitting on a beach for a week would just send me nuts. Yeah, uh, I've got to be tinkering. So, yeah, I, I've probably done more work on this this truck that needs to be done. I've certainly, as you've seen, I've added a few more gadgets <laughs> yes. than uh, are strictly necessary for overlanding. But that's kind of keeps me busy in the evenings and uh, gives me a little hobby.
1: Mm-hmm. How how about you, Julie? You got any hobbies on this that you're Um, pursuing?
3: No, I don't really do that many hobbies. I love the planning side of the travel, so I enjoy reading ahead, Mm -hmm. and I love writing our blog. Some Mm -hmm. people... We meet a lot of overland travellers who say, oh, keeping a blog is stressful, we Mm. can't keep up with it, we're so many months behind, we're already in Argentina and we've not even posted our Colombia blog, or Mm. whatever, you know. So I love i love blog writing i love planning the whole travel experience kind of takes up most of my time that i'm not actually out there doing the exploring and the seeing things or the the driving and that kind of and i i do i like cooking and and a few other sort of normal hobbies but i don't have a lot of you know sort of equipment or you know stuff to to do with hobbies
1: equipment doesn't necessarily mean hobby no that's true it's way cheaper to have hobbies that just exercise your intellect
3: (laughs) yeah but you know I feel that I enjoy the life so much that all the side bits of being Mm -hmm. an overlander um, are my hobbies as we go along
1: Yeah. yeah well you've both been I mean just in the two days that we've been hanging out with you've been already incredibly helpful to us turning us on to things we weren't aware of Oh, for likewise. Instance, <laughs> yeah. Well, for instance, the Pan Am support group <laughs> you know, the, for yeah. the very thing we were doing didn't realize that existed. Oh, yes. Yeah, but that's but cool. you're uh, beyond like um, just telling people about things that they're unaware of. I mean, you're actively making like videos. Your YouTube videos, specifically, Marcus, are crazy. I mean, you're 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 telling me about the one you did yesterday for like explaining why you should deflate your tires.
2: Yeah, I was. It was um basically there's a lot of debate in the 4x4 forums about fat or thin tires and a lot of the fat tire culture is just because it makes your truck look cool Um, but realistically actually they're not very good at all you're better off with a skinny tire Um, you just look at the military vehicles around the world and they all use skinny tires because for all terrain work um, they give you the best options there's various reasons for that so I made a quick video showing the advantages of a skinny tire and what happens when you deflate it and the misconceptions which a lot of people have and what the real truth is about how they work and uh, we'd had some support from uh, michelin in france mm-hmm. uh, uh, an english chap that works there who's in charge of military sales and he uh, saw my video and uh, immediately emailed me and say, "Hey, I don't hope you don't mind if uh, I take your video and use it as the basis for producing a Michelin training video." That's so so um, yeah, that kind of endorsed it as being probably correct, <laughs> which is uh, yeah, good to hear.
1: I would say so. That takes production and time, and you took that you know you did the research, and 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 made the video and explained your thesis and put it out there in the world. I mean that's that's not. You don't strike me as the kind of guy who just wants to prove himself correct by showing a bunch of knuckleheads in a forum, here's why I'm right and you're wrong. You meant it as, like, a a means of being helpful to others.
2: Yeah, it's like our website. We often meet people saying, hey, why don't you monetize this? You know, you've got some great information on there. You know, I've done a lot of research. Um, I've done some experimentation on the truck. Um, I've monitored a lot of systems, and so I can analyze fuel quality and things like that going through South America. But my take on it is when I was researching to do this trip, I found a lot of these subjects very hard to research. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. There was a lot of hearsay. Oh, I drove through there, and it was bad fuel. You know. Why was it bad fuel? Was it actually just the fact that you were at altitude and your your vehicle couldn't handle it? Or was it genuinely bad fuel? Mm -hmm. Things like this. None of it was quantified. It was just hearsay. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided that, well, if I'm going to take on this journey, let's actually being the geeky side of me and being a flight trials navigator um and having a master's degree in research and development kind Mm -hmm. of subjects it seemed to make sense for me to use that skill set to try and quantify some of the data so i download my engine management system data and i analyze it every couple of weeks and from that i've been able to actually dispel a lot of the myths about fuel quality around the world and the uh, the effects a modern engine has when it works in these harsh conditions and an awful lot of the stories out there are old wives tales and sure. a lot of it isn't true i mean fuel quality around the world is getting a lot better um, i don't want to really get into specifics sure, here that's sure. not the idea but <laughs> i've done a lot of research i've published it on the website and i want everybody else to share that so yeah, yeah well, i haven't hidden it behind some pay to view yeah uh, it's just information i found i'm not an expert but <laughs> i've tried to make it as accurate as i can using as as Stronger truth data as I can for right. my for my basis of my thesis and then people can look at it and either agree with it or disagree with it But uh, I like to think it's it's correct. Yeah um, A couple of times I've done things and I've been surprised by the results. It's like, oh, okay I didn't realize that's how it works But yeah, those that's the data that must be how it works now so right. I've changed my opinion on a, on a few things from actually doing the experiments.
1: Yeah you're, you're doing the same thing with your blog and your writing and you're sort of quantifying your experience out here because a lot of what you can find in, uh, about this journey is terrifying you know? yeah. and it's old wives tales some of it's real some of it is actually terrifying but you're you're both kind of putting out this um, well-researched like okay we're, we're going to make a research product project mm-hmm. out of our uh, round the world journey yeah. and share that it, was that part of your thinking when you began, uh, in any way, shape, or form?
3: <laughs> I didn't. What, what I didn't want to try and do with our blog is write a travel guide. I didn't want to right. try and write, you know, instructions to people. This is how you go and see this part of the world. Right. You know, you can do this, you can do that. There are these museums, and it costs you X dollars to get in here, or anything. It, that's that wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people doing that. There's a lot of guidebooks that you can buy. But I did want to include a little bit of information about the places and the things that we thought were the highlights, the places really worth seeing in the countries that we went to. So kind of saying you know if you go to um, Chile it's really worth doing the Caratera Austral in the south and then writing a whole blog just about the Caratera Austral including so a little bit of factual information but more about our story Mm -hmm. along the way crazy things that happen to us breakdowns also very much putting it out there the bad as well as the good side of overlanding so it's an amazing lifestyle and we have some great things but there are some downsides you know you have times where you think oh god you know you have bad days just like in any other lifestyle things break things go wrong you get stuck i mean we've been stuck beyond our axles on on lava flow beaches you know that we've really freaked out as the tide's starting to come in are we going to lose our truck to the to the pacific coming in yeah so the bad side telling about you know how we've managed to get through a particular hurdle and and the the many many amazing things the great the wildlife all the experiences that you can do out there but i don't think anybody would get a a how-to guide out of our blog they may just hopefully see some highlights and say great if i go on holiday to chile I'd love to go to that place, and then they can research through the guidebooks how to do, how to get there for themselves.
1: What a, a tremendous thing that you two offer! Really, I mean, it's that you're doing this. When I walked into your your cabin, <laughs> the cockpit of your this incredible machine yesterday, I felt like I was in a plane for one, clearly designed by a guy who has worked in planes, and uh, and now and just in talking to you, it's like a, it is a research and development project. I mean, you've you built your own touch screen. Uh, Engine management you could you were telling me yesterday you can like text your vehicle. Yeah, uh, the, the
2: um one of the computers on the truck wasn't working quite how I'd like it to so uh, I decided to replace it um, which was a, an interesting project um, using That sentence alone is so, <laughs> so crazy <laughs> <laughs> They're little Arduino computers they're little uh, kids toys basically but yeah. they're actually quite powerful computers they're very easy to program and uh, the, yeah this one system which is, controls all the differential locks on the on mm-hmm. the vehicle wasn't really working as advertised shall we say um, so I ordered a load of parts and had them DHL to us in uh, French Guiana um we sat in a nice jungle clearing by a little stream and i got my soldering iron out and I proceeded to <laughs> build my own computer to replace the Avico one. Um, and then as we drove across the Amazon, uh, literally from one side of the Amazon to the other through all the mud, yeah. uh, I got an opportunity to refine my software to uh, make it work correctly. And then a guy in Australia um, picked up on it and decided he wanted one and uh, ended up manufacturing them and uh, selling them. So, yeah, yeah it's that was, a, that was a fun project. And that got me into these little computers. Great. And then I kind of thought ah, what else can i do with this so yeah it's gone a bit extreme really it's it's, yeah. it, it's it's more for geek fun i mean it talks to me now when i engage diff lock it tells me that oh center diff lock engaged or if i turn right. the abs off abs deselected it talks to me yeah yeah, it, 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 I'm, uh, yeah as you were saying yesterday the how 2000 it's probably the uh, yeah <laughs> the model you, i'm going what for. what are you doing dave
1: <laughs> the, i mean the fact that you're you have a geiger counter and you told me well i mean why, why not?
2: Yeah, exactly, why, not? why so, not? It was a fun little project. I thought, oh, I can stick that on the front. And, yeah, you drive up around some of the volcanoes, and it's interesting to see the, the increased uh, yeah. radiation count. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I can't... I've been trying to draw parallels between what the two of you do. I think it sort of ends right there. (laughs) The the upper limit of (laughs) what There's
3: absolutely no overlap on our skill sets at all. They're they're totally opposed. Marcus, as you can gather, is the the geek, the practical guy, the guy that fixes things, design things, makes things. Um, I'm the one that sort of does planning, reading, writing, Mm -hmm. language skills. There's totally separate skill sets. And they work quite well alongside each other Certainly but, do. Um, there's no overlap really yeah. no overlap at all
1: that's incredible so uh, let me ask you I'll take it back around to the truck itself so you you were suddenly had this epiphany okay like but we could actually retire early let's find a truck let's find our our home what made this truck the one for you guys why this guy
2: being the kind of people we are we first thing we did is we made an excel spreadsheet and we listed all of our requirements it's very much like military procurement what are your requirements you've got you produce a requirements document and then you make sure the product you want meets all of your requirements and that's kind of how we started and we started doing the research and we started looking at how much fuel we wanted how much water we wanted we had quite a bit of experience flying driving around africa um we loved roof tents for short holidays one holiday though we uh, we made a bit of a mistake we left qatar we climbed on the airplane it was 45 degrees centigrade because it was summer in qatar we got off the aircraft in johannesburg and it was one degree centigrade and it's like yeah okay maybe this was a mistake mm-hmm. and that night we were sleeping in a tent and it went to minus something in the morning you know so it's a bit of a sh- thermal shock to the system mm-hmm. and we had a great holiday but we were in swaziland towards the end of the holiday it'd been raining all day the water had got into the roof tent we had a wet mattress mm-hmm. it was drizzly, overcast. Uh, If any of your readers have been to North Wales in winter, it was just like that, except zebras were walking past. So it was definitely Africa, it wasn't North Wales. Uh, And while we were there trying to get the fire going, generally feeling pretty miserable, a German couple rocked up in a truck like ours, parked next to us and we were like, you know what? That's probably the way to do it. And that's when we then started realising that actually a Land Rover is great for a short holiday and there are people that drive around the world in them and they do fantastically but we decided we're getting on a little bit uh we're not as young as we used to be we'd like to have a little bit of luxury so we wanted to have a solid box on the back to live in rather than Mm -hmm. having any sort of tent and then we started looking at the load capacities of four by four cars and what was available on the european market wasn't really there i know some of the the american trucks and rigs are big enough to handle it but most of the uk four by four vehicles land Rovers, toyotas they've all got a three and a half ton limit Mm -hmm. and that wasn't going to do it so we then started looking at the bigger trucks you've got your unimogs your big man trucks etc uh but we knew we wanted to fit down these little trails which they uh, they have in africa which are made by the land rovers and land cruisers and these big trucks one of their wheels wouldn't fit in in the double trail of the road you'd have to have one set of tires bouncing down the outside of it or having various issues so we wanted something that would fit in the width of a car Mm -hmm. but had the load carrying capacity of a small truck and at the time, um, there was only really the Avico Daily, um, possibly a Bray Mac. Uh, they were really the only two players on the market, and we quite liked the look of the Aviki da- Avico Daily. So then we started looking at manufacturers that could put a, a nice box on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to build the box myself. Um, I've done other projects in the past where I constructed things. Uh, one of my more wacky ones was probably I built an aeroplane I used to fly to work. <laughs> so that's probably a whole new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can Google it if you want to have a look at the airplane. It's a Van's RV8. Uh, it's an American kit, and oh uh, its registration is G-Tuck. So uh, you can you can Google that. You'll find it's a beautiful blue two seater aircraft. And uh, yeah, on in good weather days, I used to fly to work. That's so yeah, building something was was kind of my thing. But out yeah. uh, in the Middle East, there was no real option to get the parts. Yeah, we thought about me finishing work six months a year early and going back to Europe and building it. And then we decided that actually, my earning potential in the Middle East was such that it made more sense to buy a pre-made one and Mm -hmm. we're really happy we did actually because i would never have done as good a job as this this thing is so cool the other important thing with this truck is it's got 30 years experience went into building it yeah the manufacturer said look you can have anything you want but we've been building these things for 30 years so there's probably a reason for it and a couple of times we went can we do this and they went you can but and it's like oh okay we'll leave it then yeah Yeah. and we've got a fantastic product and Mm -hmm. the, the the rear end the box it's just perfect. You know, it really is. It works. It's. It, you can see the 30 years experience are in there and, there, and the German craftsmanship. You what, what you can't see in here is five years of having lived in it. That's the thing, yeah. And, and yeah.
1: thousands and thousands of kilometers yeah. of, of use down... Yeah. God knows what kind of
2: conditions, like exactly you really did not rough see trails,
3: like hundreds and thousands of kilometers of rough trails. This thing has been shaking ah. like a.
2: And we've been airborne a couple of times going over know, bumps and things like that off road, it, it bounces it, and it's, you know, yeah. it's solid. Yeah, yeah
1: you might bruise your bananas. Yeah, that <laughs> that's it. Yeah, oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> things have broken inside the cupboards, sure. <laughs> but the cupboards themselves, yeah, you know, it's, incredible. So it's pretty solid. So, it's an investment. But to live in full time like 365 days a year we don't travel like um, some overlanders particularly say our, our age group and a bit older they'll travel maybe for 4-5 months mm-hmm. then park up and go home to their home country for 5-6 months mm-hmm. see their kids, grandkids or whatever and then fly back and travel for three or four months right we travel 365 yeah. days a year we've lived in this 365 days a year for five and a half years so it's permanent wear yes. and tear all the time it's
1: very smart of you to be unburdened <laughs> by needless children <laughs> yeah. go they would have gone in the way the whole piece yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'd ruin everything yeah, yeah. yeah. well uh, so you you made the decision for this truck mm-hmm. you had it fitted out and then uh, you did you drive it from Germany, mm-hmm. or?
2: Yeah. Well, we had a I had a delivery driver basically. There, there's a whole load of registration issues when you're trying to import. Despite Europe trying to be completely joined up, there's there are issues with importing a vehicle from Germany sure. to UK and registering it. So we had it we had it delivered to the UK. Okay, uh, and then I had to take it for a, a special inspection um, mm-hmm. to have it registered on the UK register. That happened in December 2013. Uh, it was finally registered January first of January 2014 is the actual date on the vehicle documents that's great and then we set off in February 2014 so we was drove a, straight and just down went down we did a test around Europe basically to make sure everything was okay with the vehicle mm-hmm. um because it was new we wanted to make sure the systems were working we didn't sure. want to be too far in case we needed to have anything done but actually no it was it was fine it, it turned into a thinly disguised uh, skiing expedition around europe because it was winter so we we checked out quite a few ski resorts Can and imagine. camping in the truck in minus weather is really no problem the insulation is fantastic the yeah. central heating works well and we a couple of the ski resorts we literally parked on the last parking bay so we climbed out the steps clipped the skis on and skied to the ski lift you know real proper ski to the door yeah. experience
1: Then from there you went to Africa.
3: Yeah. Then we shipped. We put Appreciate the it. truck on a ship from Bremerhaven and shipped down to to Africa and spent a year driving around Africa from South Africa north up as far as Uganda, so through all the countries basically between South Africa and Uganda, and then back south. So we did a circle loop up as far as Northern Uganda, then back down to South Africa, and um, and then shipped out of South Africa. Then yeah. after a, after a year. in in those countries. Just
1: looking for wildlife, looking for interesting experiences. Yeah,
3: Yeah. wildlife particularly is amazing. But Africa varies. Obviously, every country's got its own thing. Some countries, wildlife is the thing. Some countries, scenery and amazing landscapes is the thing. Other countries, it's the people and the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's the food, although... Probably not so often in Africa the food um, <laughs> but yeah it's an amazing experience and every country's got its own, Can imagine. its own things that that was a great year yeah
1: is there any spot that you are looking forward to returning to at some point in your lives like in Africa that you just couldn't there get was, enough
3: of? there's some spots in Africa that we really liked and all uh, politics aside we could happily go back to many places in Africa and stay unfortunately Politically, Africa's just got so many problems, the stability in most many countries is, you know, just not to our level of um, comfort comfort in terms of trying to settle. Not that we're planning to settle yet anyway, but although there's many amazing places, beautiful, affordable, great people, great culture... Behind the scenes, there's a a political system that most of them we didn't really feel comfortable that we Mm. could settle with. But, you know, those things change all the time. So maybe come the time that we are ready to settle down somewhere, Africa, somewhere may have changed, somewhere maybe more stable, somewhere maybe we could something we could look at long term, maybe.
1: For people interested in visiting Africa, if they only had like, you know, a quick holiday to go, where would you
2: say... Probably is a starter Namibia. for Africa, I'd say Namibia. Namibia, we Namibia. would say. Yeah, Namibia
3: or South Africa, yeah. but yeah, the, yeah, both of them are amazing. Just for
2: incredible wildlife, Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Wildlife, scenery, mm-hmm. diversity, culture. Yeah, Namibia and South Africa definitely are the, the starter Africa for yeah. people who've never done Africa before. And from then you can adventure into... Botswana, Zimbabwe, maybe Malawi, Zambia, places Tanzania. like that. Yeah, Tanzania is yeah. also an amazing. Right. It's, it's just all fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But for a self-drive, Namibia and South Africa are superb. They have a lot of um, amazing self-drive companies where you can just like book to pick up a Land Rover that's fully kitted out with everything you need. You don't. All you need to turn up with is a bag with your clothes in, oh, and great. you can rent a, a Land Rover or a Toyota Land Cruiser that's got everything you need for every knife fork and spoon a little gas stove you name it whatever you need they'll to even, have an adventure in the bush
2: they'll even put food in for they'll you as well so you don't even have to go shopping on day one if you don't you want know. to yes.
3: and, and that's it you can get in your own little land rover and drive off and have an african adventure on your own you know
2: and they give you a sat phone so if you have a problem anywhere you just well, call well, company and they'll, them do, yeah. they'll come in, come in yeah, and help you so and you it's advice. easy
3: to have you know your own little two-week african adventure yeah. and be as adventurous as you're comfortable with well, i think that's a you know, very smart thing that you guys start off with, yeah. did
1: you know mm-hmm. a lot of people it's like um it's similar to the tiny house thing people look at these videos and look so romantic like, oh, a tiny house i would yeah. love but then the reality is you get in one and like a guy like me you're a big lurchy mm-hmm. f- semi-mutant cricket thing that doesn't <laughs> fit inside the box and you're knocking things over and you're suddenly disabused of your romantic notion you guys did this before you bought this oh thing. yeah you before we even and, thought about this really yeah, that you, was
3: a, a great holiday for us
1: yeah you took overlanding trips you rented the thing you felt what you know what it was like and you're okay i can deal with this i mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm. but we'll do it a
2: little bit differently mm-hmm. and make it our own mm-hmm. that's what that's, fed into our requirements document we yeah. were saying because uh, <laughs> we we had the experience you yeah know, so we knew what we wanted and how mm-hmm. to live
1: yeah you knew what you didn't want which yeah. is yeah. very very yeah, helpful yeah you don't yeah. always get those in a requirements <laughs> document. <true>. yeah <laughs> that was extra intel from your uh, intelligence mm-hmm. uh, uh, partner didn't mm-hmm. isn't that what you did in the? you were part mili- part-time military as well yeah right? i was in
3: the reserve military reserve the royal auxiliary air force which is kind of like the U.S. Air national guard right so i did that for about 15 years obviously mm-hmm. not when we we're in qatar before we moved out there and um yeah, I was an intelligence officer. Yeah, there on it reserve is. Serve basis, but yeah. other. I'm looking for
1: more parallels between what you, what you two bring to the table. So, uh, how many times have you shipped this thing across various oceans? Uh,
2: one, two, three, uh, four. Now we've shipped to and from South Africa, mm-hmm. and then we shipped to South America, and we actually went on the ship with it. Right, and then we ship right. from Cartagena to Panama to get around the Darien Gap, right to get from South to Central America.
1: <laughs> Five weeks on a cargo ship. I forgot about that. You were telling me that last night, yeah, it's kind that of that fun. Week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it
2: was, was meant it. to be four and a half weeks,
3: <laughs> but the shipping's never on time. We ended up being eight or nine days late arriving wow. in the final port. So it was a, four and a advertised as a four and a half week. And we thought, yeah, OK. And then gradually, as we sailed down the South Atlantic, the captain's saying, hmm, I don't think we're going to make it on time. We're going to have this delay, Next that delay. So, yeah, ended up being five and a half weeks after but-
1: every once in a while you could get off the ship and
2: port and like walk around land and mm-hmm. yeah Cajun sure we, had, we had over 24 hours off in rio which was fantastic yeah stopped um, in west africa yeah
3: yeah a couple of stops in brazil and you
2: also in sort of africa it's quite entertaining to watch the loading and unloading process i can only imagine Using, uh, people think that shipping their vehicle in a shipping container is safe they haven't seen a shipping container being handled in africa yeah <laughs> it's uh, quite an entertaining procedure i can only imagine <laughs> Like just dropped and or Mm. put down roughly? Yeah, basically Mm -hmm. the cranes they use, uh, everybody visages uh, these massive mega container ports you get in the West where they've got these super-duper cranes that lift the container up and drop it exactly in the right place. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they're loading and unloading in Africa, they just use a conventional crane, which means the shipping container can spin on the end of the cable. So the way they align it is they smack the container into the side of the ship to get it spinning. And then when it's orientated correctly, they drop it from about one foot onto the ground to stop the spin. Yeah. And then they lift it up and put it into the final position. So, um, yeah, you want to have some padding around your vehicle if you've got it inside a shipping container would be my advice. Yeah, don't ship eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Note to <laughs> self. Yeah, we're uh, mercifully,
1: I guess, going to have to do the roll-on, roll-off, which is yeah. its own set of It has its own problems
3: yeah. as well. But yeah. that's all we've ever done because this doesn't fit into a container. Yeah. So. We've only ever done row-row. Yeah,
1: row-row. Yeah. Uh, we just recently lo- learned that term and now love it, row-row. <laughs> so um, you've shipped this thing four times? Is that what you said?
2: Yeah, just four. Yeah, four. Yeah.
1: And um, your next shipping in maybe a year or so or more is to possibly...
2: Mm possibly we're having an argument between New Zealand and Australia if we yeah. go that way or um, maybe Japan we're not sure we yeah that's that's Hopefully, a year or two across the years pacific away. somewhere yeah.
3: but yeah. yeah we haven't really quite decided where yet
1: that's great you got plenty of time yeah so you're uh we're right now in in Mexico you're heading up and you've you've already done almost all of Mexico like you've done Baja and you drove mm. back up and around and down south copper canyon which um i that's an amazing place from what mm-hmm. i can gather like copper canyon is i mean is have you been to the grand canyon in the states? Hmm.
3: Not properly. We've well, seen it, but we haven't explored it with the vehicle or anything right, yet. Right. We'll, that, that's still to come. Is it
1: similar in size and scope no,
3: it's with smaller. the copper canyon it,
2: it's, smaller. it's smaller, but you it, the grand canyon's big if you if you stand on the edge of the grand canyon you you can see a, a, a an amazing vista you it's something similar in copper canyon mm-hmm. but it i don't think it goes on as far as mm-hmm. the grand canyon the grand canyon goes yeah. on for a very yeah. long yeah. distance yeah. but if you were to take a snapshot from one position then it's it's almost the same but it isn't on the same scale right but you right. do get that big canyon feel yeah yeah it is quite impressive
1: you guys had a fantastic story do you mind sharing your uh your come to someone's rescue story of copper canyon
2: uh yeah there was um it was down in the slightly dodgy area of copper canyon you to be a little bit careful going down there so you need to kind of check out the, with the tourist police and things make sure it's uh, not too bad and uh, there's this uh, young chap he was uh, broken down on the side of the road with his uh, girlfriend or wife in the car and uh he, he needed to get it bump started so i kind of got out of the car to give him a hand pushing it he was like no 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 don't push don't push just ram me with your truck it'll be fine and i'm like Well, it's not going to hurt my truck, but we'll see what happens to the back of your car. So um, we we gently pushed him for a little way in the car, and it kind of bump started his engine, and he, he got started, big thumbs up out the window, and then proceeded to drive into a very narrow track down the side of the river, a bit of a gorge, and then his engine died. So he's now blocking the road for everyone. And, um, and
3: then he decided that a round of beers would be appropriate. Ah, for that's right. Yeah. That. He'd
2: already he had a beer or two. He had his revolver stuck down the back of his jeans, you know, <laughs> so he obviously wasn't going to try muggers because he would have done that by then. So he was offering us beer and I was kind of explaining, no, 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 it's OK. I'm driving. I'm not drinking beer. Go, oh, but I'm driving as well. We'll have another beer. And then he got some i don't know what it was out of a bag to try and get me to eat as well and i was thinking well i know what they manufacture around here i'm not going to eat any of that Uh, (laughs) so uh anyway the the upshot was we then had to push him down the road um up a hill (laughs) and around the corner to clear the road um, which he was incredibly grateful for uh, and invited us back to his house and um, he had a pet chimpanzee with some babies and he offered us a chimpanzee baby as payment for having got his car as far as it was which um, we
3: politely declined yeah yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah this is almost bulletproof but i don't think this thing is quite chimpanzee proof <laughs> no. <laughs> no it's just what? one of those bizarre moments yeah you know, he's a nice enough chap and uh, he was being friendly so yeah it was, you meet interesting people on the road yeah
1: it makes me feel like i think yesterday i offered you dolmas you know, a little Greek stuff mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's were not nice. quite, as, quite as cool as a used, slightly used chimpanzee. But they were more delicious than a chimpanzee. <laughs> well, you say that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So uh, there's a little bit more of Mexico left for you to do, I guess. There's mm-hmm. got to be maybe six or seven inches of it that you haven't driven over. Uh, then you're heading through the states. Mm-hmm. You're deciding on which way you're going to go. Are you going to just try to hit all the states?
2: Or... The problem we've got with uh, foreign vehicles, we get one year, basically. uh, And our visas only give us six months at a time. So we're going to try and break it into two six-month windows. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we cross over, taking your advice from yesterday, we've been looking and doing a bit of research. I think we're going to go through, uh, hit Texas probably around October time, and then aim for New Orleans for uh, Halloween, which should be good fun. Smart move. And then we've got some friends in Florida we want to catch up with. Um, And then for the rest of winter, we'll probably head back towards California area and make you, you've got fantastic national parks. We oh, really incredible. want to check out as many of those as we can. And then as the weather improves, we'll head North, um, hit Canada, hopefully at the six month point for the visa reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then progress up through British Columbia, Yukon, and then, uh, get the Alaska tick. Fantastic. And then, um, uh, work our way back South again, maybe. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: if you're listening and, uh, you're on that route and you want to reach out and buy these guys, uh, an English pint or, uh, feed them a delicious meal or host them in your uh I don't know your parking lot or your driveway. They can find you guys at tux tuxtruck.net. tuxtruck.net. That's it. Got it. Well, thank you both so much. Is there anything else like that you'd want to share or tell anyone or
2: don't like a- believe all the stories you hear about how terrible Mexico is and all these other countries and it's not operation certain death when you cross the border. of everybody we've met on the planet so far has been fantastic really friendly warm welcome you know yeah sure there's criminals there's parts of London I wouldn't go around after dark there's parts of London I probably wouldn't go around in daylight to be honest and it's the same in Mexico yes it's got a bad press there's a lot of drug warfare you know there's a lot of that kind of thing they're not interested in tourists as long as you're sensible don't drive at night and just accept that most people are friendly and they want you to be there and that's very much the warm welcome we've had everywhere we've been
3: yeah absolutely and it's not you're gonna die out there it really is not you're gonna die out there whether it's mexico brazil driving through the amazon jungle people the vast majority of people in the world are nice they're friendly they're welcoming you know and we've never had not one seriously bad experience anywhere in our five and a half years of travel
1: i would say uh you're Definitely gonna die out there. It's just up to you where you wanna be. <laughs>
3: yeah, one day. You're yeah. Definitely
1: yeah, going it's
2: kind to of die out there. Yeah. Life
3: is operation certain death at some point in your yeah. life, but, but it's, it's, it's probably it's not, actually, not gonna happen on a Mexico roadside. Uh, yeah
1: you know? It's it's you get to hopefully uh push yourself in the right direction where you can kind of choose where that day is gonna mm-hmm. be. Or at least you know, the, the experience you've had up until that moment. Mm. So I, I applaud what you guys are doing, and I'm very grateful to have met you, and I'm looking forward to hopefully spending a little bit more time with you. I know, you, Mañana, you've got a, a procedure, a dental procedure.
3: Dental work. <laughs> As yeah. we can, like,
1: hear a weird drill or the something in the background. But,
3: uh, yeah, I'm hoping my dental drill is not quite that loud. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, hopefully they'll at least put earplugs in for you. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Thank you so Likewise. much. Likewise. Thank Goodbye. you very much. This is Rice. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Vuelvo a cantar Vuelvo a cantar Porque tu amor volvió hacia mí Puedo soñar Muchacha pájaro, mi cielo azul No te separe ya de mí Como la luna quita al mar Al mar, al mar tus ojos roban el color De las violetas cuando están en flor Y perfuman mi corazón has vuelto a mí lo mismo que ayer, otra vez a caminar en el atardecer y tomada de mi mano, hablándome de amor. Vuelvo a vivir, vuelvo a cantar, vuelvo a cantar, oigo campanas cuando te siento tu pelo al viento y tu tierna voz le dan a todo su color como la arena sabe Vuelvo a cantar, vuelvo a cantar Porque tu amor volvió hacia mí Puedo soñar Muchacha pájaro, mi cielo azul No te separes ya de mí Como la luna quita el mar. al mar Al mar, mar Así tus ojos roban el color De las violetas cuando están en flor Y perfuman mi corazón Has vuelto a mí lo mismo que ayer, otra vez a caminar en el atardecer Y tomada de mi mano, hablándome de amor Vuelvo a vivir, vuelvo a cantar, vuelvo a cantar Porque tu amor volvió hacia mí